Now entering the gaming grid. The latest gaming news, reviews, and retro culture, as only the man of tomorrow can deliver. And here is your host, Brian Sovereign. The Gaming Grid is on, baby, and the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, the podcast champion, is here. Brian Sovereign, ready to rock this baby out. And wow, do we have a lot to get into uh, this month. And well, you know, some of these shows, who knows, it might be once a month. Hell, we might get to the point where it can be once a week. I mean, certainly there's plenty of gaming news that comes out every single week to where a, uh, you know, a show that goes anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, uh, like The Gaming Grid does, Uh, could certainly become. But, you know, something I was noticing, a few things I was noticing, actually, some trends, shall we say, uh, that have been that have been hitting. Well, the gaming journalism is late and and not really as late. This has been going on for a while. I'll tell you one thing I'm fucking sick of. Okay, no, before I get into what I'm sick of, I was wondering, I noticed over the past couple days and we're in uh, just early May here. Okay, I noticed this in the past couple days. I'm like, suddenly every gaming journalist outlet is writing about Dwarf Fortress. And I'm like, what? what's so special that suddenly now everybody is writing about Dwarf Fortress? Uh, which Dwarf Fortress is a great game by a couple of developers. I think they, they have like a, there's a name for them. It's like Bay 12 or something like that, that they call themselves. Uh, but I, I was kind of baffled as to what the hell, you know, why suddenly all the news? This game's been around for over a decade now. Uh, and for those that don't know, it's kind of a, almost called a colony simulator, a bit of a roguelike. There's really nothing else quite like it out there, like, like Dwarf Fortress. And it is a game that is only for PC kind of reminds it. It's in many ways, it's like an ASCII art. And for those ASCII art, you know, an ASCII art made out of text and everything to make it look like something else. Uh, it's basically, it's almost like an ASCII art version of, I mean, it's not Minecraft, but it reminds me of Minecraft in kind of the, well, Minecraft isn't PC only anymore for, but for a long time it was. And just, I don't know, the community around it and everything. I mean, it's, it's really impressive. It, it's a huge fucking game. I mean, you want to talk about open world and like so many things that you can do with it. it it's really, I, I couldn't put it into words. I'd have to do a whole episode about it. I've played it. I know that there've been a lot of, a lot of improvements over the years, but I didn't understand why suddenly everybody bothered to talk about it. And it was all at once. And well, come to find out, it's actually now it's going to be coming to Steam as well as I think Itch. It'll be on itch.io, uh, which I always called Itch.io. But anyway, itch.io, it'll be out on that as well. Uh, if you're going to get it from either of those, I recommend going with itch.io, though it is going to have Steam Workshop uh, implemented into it. So maybe that makes it a great argument to get it on steam. Uh, the game is normally free and it's going to keep getting developed as is, uh, by Bay 12. Uh, but now they want to make some money off of it. They're releasing, I think it's kit Fox games is the company that they're going to like release it through. And they are going to put updated graphics on it that aren't just all ASCII art. So I, you know, I don't know how it's going to work out. I have no idea. They, nobody said anything about what it's going to cost. I think Bay 12 pretty much said they had family members over the past six months that have uh, fallen ill 
And so they're trying to make some money off of this thing that they've been developing for free for fuck like 13 years. I mean, it, it really is an impressive game. Uh, you know, it's one of those games from started like in 06. And I feel like it's one of those games, kind of like Cave Story and some of these other ones, where it's just so brilliantly done, but it's totally a labor of love. But this game, unlike Cave Story, I mean, Cave Story is great, but this game, Dwarf Fortress, is so fucking huge. And I I could kind of imagine eventually they'll port it to other consoles, but the rate at which this is updated, eh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, this is one of my... I, I. I mean, it's a great game. Like, I, I really understand it. Uh, I put it up there with, like, Free Civ, where it's one of those indie games that is just far better than anything else that even tries to be like it. Uh, but, you know, when it comes out, I'll probably pick it up on Itch. I mean, just, you know, just because, well, A, I don't mind helping the developers out, and B, I love this kind of development. So, I, you know, I, I love this. Uh, but, yeah, I was just kind of surprised. I'm like, wait, why is everybody talking about this? This game's been around for fucking ever. Uh, you know, did they suddenly, well, I'm not going to say that this didn't happen, that Bay 12 or Kit Fox or whoever behind it uh decided to you know pay polygon and kotaku and whoever else to talk about this game again we don't know when it's going to be coming out on those platforms but you can just install it for free now if i think about it i'll put a link in the show notes for it um but yeah i mean when everybody starts talking about the same thing all at once that sounds like a campaign uh as a pr guy i know how those things work and often enough to actually get a story done out there well, you got to pay to play, you know, unless somebody's house is burning down, you, you have to, and I don't mean pay to play the game. I mean, pay to get your game talked about on a new site. Uh, it's really for, so I remember for so long, and this is part of the reason I love doing the gaming grid, because I know that I'm doing this independently. Uh, but for so long, I thought gaming journalism was really on the up and up, you know, and it was kind of the place where you could get out of the religio political, or shit that goes on in the world. Uh, but no, that, that's not true anymore. And I can tell you very well, I can tell you personally that most of these gaming outlets are not going to talk about your game. You could make, you could have made the greatest game in fucking history and they won't give you the time of day unless, uh, you know, you pay them to, and, and they are not cheap unless you pay them to talk about it and they'll make it seem like you didn't pay them. They'll make it seem like this is, you know, it's, it, again, it's what they call native advertising. They'll make it seem like, oh yeah, no, we just, we are talking about this game just fucking out of nowhere. No, <laughs> that's not what's going on at all. Oh, it's so fucking annoying. I, I hate, I hate journalism. I, I really do. It is, it has some of the worst incentives of the bunch out of all the different aspects of society. I mean, what are the, isn't journalism like the, the, the fifth column or I don't know, whatever, whatever, not that's, that's a, that's a whole other thing. Sorry. Whatever the, the fourth institution, right. Isn't that what it is? The fifth column. That's, that's actually a new show, I think in Canada, but the fifth column is of course a resistance movement, that the whole other story, uh, to not even get into V woo. There you go. There's a C64, C64 game for you and a TV show. Uh, not the 2009 horse shit either, but, Anyway, uh, isn't it like the fourth estate or something like that? Is, is that, or is that what they call it? I, whatever the fuck they call it, where it's supposed to be some kind of check against government and all that. No, the incentives are so bad in the press that it's no better <laughs> than governments or religions or anything like that. 
Oh, so fucking bad. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, but just wanted to bring it to your mind that, you know, Dwarf or bring it to head that Dwarf Fortress is going to end up becoming a thing. I think it's a great game. Um, I think Bay 12 certainly deserves some money uh, for what they have created because they have created an absolute monster. Uh, so, you know, kudos uh, to them for, for making that finally happen. Uh, something else that I actually just before I hit record on this, um, I... I got an email from GOG.com, which I don't think, I don't know if Dwarf Fortress is coming to GOG. I don't see why it shouldn't. I'm, I'm kind of baffled, actually, that it's not. And unless Steam said you can't put it on Steam unless you, you know, make it somewhat exclusive. But then I don't know how Itch gets it and GOG doesn't. Anyway, whatever. Maybe it will come out on GOG. I don't know. Maybe that's still something being worked out at this time. But I did get an email from GOG just before I, uh, you know, just just before I, I hit record. And they came a new version, and this came out of nowhere, which is, look, that's good. Okay? When the game's done, when it's ready for me to purchase, fucking tell me about it. Otherwise, don't tell me about it right? I don't care. I don't want to know. Okay. And it's, it's, it's like this with movies too. I could get into a big conversation around this. I, I really get sick of it. Okay. I mean, you can, you can like have a trailer that it's coming on such and such a day, but you know, don't do any like pre-release horse shit. Don't do any beta releases. Don't do any of that crap. Just when the game's done, put it out there. Let me buy it. Um, but a new version of blood and it's called blood fresh supply. Now, for those that don't know, blood is this is back this originally came out back in 97 this is an absolute classic first person shooter a ridiculous first person shooter uh as in very over the top but very well done very intelligent uh i consider this game i think this game kind of got overshadowed and gets forgotten after like half-life came out and that's that's really sad uh this is a game that used the uh the build engine which was made famous by Duke Nukem 3D, one of the greatest games of all time, as well as Shadow Warrior, another one of the greatest games of all time. Um, I would put this almost in the build engine trilogy. Like if there were a trilogy of games that were, I mean, actually Blood ended up getting a sequel, which was not as good. It was uh, The Chosen, I think it was, Blood 2 The Chosen. That came out uh, about a year, a couple of years later or something. Very, very odd game, kind of felt unfinished anyway, but that, that I'm not here to review that. I probably will do a review of Blood Fresh Supply because I love this game and it plays on old hardware. So kudos. Um, anyway, but Blood, uh, the original version of it, it's actually it was called One. Was it One Unit? Like One Unit of Blood, I think was was its original name. So this game, again, it came out kind of late in when first person shooters before like the Quake engine took over and Unreal took over and all of this. And I think, I mean, a lot of people, the people that play it remember it vividly because it was such an awesome game. Um, this is really cool that it got a, that it got an updated uh, kind of a remastered version, um, on, on GOG. In fact, I think the, if I'm not mistaken, the original versions came out on GOG just recently anyway, because I remember I had picked them up and I was like, wait, if I had seen blood on here a couple of years ago, I would have bought it then. So blood came pretty recently to it. it. I think it was on like a, one of their sales, which they have sales like almost every fucking day. Uh, you can get blood fresh supply 
for $4.99 on GOG right now. Um, but yeah, let's see what, what do we got here uh, the enhancements updated using night dive studios, Kex engine. I'll have to look into that, what that's all about. Uh, direct X 11 support and open GL three, two support, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anti-aliasing, ambient occlusion, V-sync and, you know, support for high resolution, including 4k monitors, which I mean, Hey, that's great. Like play blood in 4k. All right. Sure. Um, whole bunch of other stuff, uh, controller pad support, customizable keyboard. I mean, all of this is, is really nice stuff. There's some, uh, some PVP action you can get on. You can even put in, uh, your own soundtrack into the game, which blood had a pretty awesome soundtrack anyway. And didn't they do something with typo negative or well, well anyway, which is ironic, right? Blood typo negative, the band, you know, Peter Steele, uh, rest in peace. But anyway, uh, just a totally, totally classic game. Uh, I, I can't recommend uh, this enough. And I was shocked that like just suddenly, boom, there it was. And oh, you better believe I picked it up the instant uh, that they, that they sent me the email. And I doubt there's a computer that this can't run on. I mean, the, 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 the tech specs are very, very low. What is it? A one gigahertz processor, two gig of Ram. I mean, you know, even a, a sub $200 computer today could run this thing. Uh, it does require windows though. Yeah. Well, you know, nobody's perfect. So <laughs> anyway, uh, do pick up blood, you know, something, I mean, I'm glad to see it because I was really disappointed or I've been disappointed with GOG as late and maybe they're getting the market signal. I don't know. Um, but I've been disappointed that they were concentrating so hard on two things. One new games, which I don't care about new games in general. Um, and two, they're concentrating on what they called, uh, in, in dev games, as in, it's kind of like not steam green light, but steam early access, where it was an unfinished game that you could purchase now and play the beta of, which again, especially on GOG, all the games you could fucking play. And you are literally going to buy a game that isn't even finished. This is still one of the biggest things in gaming today that I, my mind cannot fucking wrap around. I cannot get the, you know, I'm going to tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in touch with somebody at PC gamer and I want them to explain to me how for the consumer, for the gamer, not the developer. I know how it's good for the developer. They get to make money, you know, while they're making the game and it's unfinished. I want to hear the argument for the consumer. Why early access and in dev game selling, selling those games and selling betas and all that why that's a good thing. Now, I mean, we were just talking about Dwarf Fortress. That's been technically in beta its entire life, but you don't pay anything for it. It's free, you know? And so like that, that just, that makes sense. Even though compared to a lot of games that are considered finished, uh, here's looking at you, Planetary Annihilation, you know, Dwarf Fortress is, is, is a finished game. I mean, it's not a beta. It's a, it's, it's a seasoned game for fuck's sake. You know, the beta is just a technicality. It's not really in beta anymore. It hasn't been in beta for a decade, but whatever. Anyway, <laughs> oh, kills me. And I mean, if the guy at PC Gamer is going to basically tell me that why it's good for the consumer is that it funds the game so that the game can actually get finished and they get to play an amazing game. Uh, there's no guarantee of that. There's no guarantee of that whatsoever. And very, very few early access or in dev games uh, when they finally get released uh, deliver on even half of the hype of what all the marketing materials and what feature sets are claimed when you pre not just pre-purchase it, but when you purchase it while it's in beta or in dev, I, no, that that's a completely unacceptable answer. I mean, you could say that that's a roll of the dice, uh, maybe, 
maybe that that's a roll of the dice. Buying any game and whether or not it's going to be good could be considered um, a roll of the dice. But then that's why institutions <laughs> or, I mean, a PC gamer is kind of an institution. I've been reading it since I was a kid. Okay, but... You know, that's why these magazines and these websites and these review sites are supposed to fucking exist. They're supposed to tell us if these games suck ass or not. We're not, we don't always have to find that out for ourselves. That's why we even bother to go to their sites. So anyway, whatever. So, (laughs) but Dwarf Fortress, Blood, those are a couple of safe bets that I can tell you. Those are genuinely great games. Jump on them. Uh, And if you want to throw money at them, throw money at them. And I, I will be looking into, I mean, Fresh blood, fresh supply. Again, it's based off of an old game. You you, kind of can't fuck that up. So, uh, because you're just re-releasing it and you're not even, they're not even enhancing that much other than giving you like 4k support and things like this. So whatever I, I, again, I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. If I think of that as well, I will put that in the show notes. See, sometimes these things come up like right before I'm about to hit record. And so it's not in what I have for, uh, you know, my original notes to talk about, but you know, speaking of PC gamer and speaking of PC gaming in general, this is in my show notes. And this is something I want to talk about. Uh, the story is from April 26, 2019, and it's analyst. This is from PC Gamer. Analyst predicts 20 million people will abandon gaming PCs for, and then the asterisk checks notes, uh, t- quote, TV gaming platforms, end quote. Oh, boy. And uh, the, the subheader here is color us skeptical. Well, color me skeptical, too. I'm going to read this here. Uh, and then we, we have other news to get into. We're gonna, we got the Oculus Quest to talk about. We got plenty of stuff to talk about. So here we go. Uh, don't look up, PC gamers, because the sky is falling again. Right on cue, a new report by John Petty Research, uh, JPR, notes that the, quote, PC market continues to decline, end quote. And though gaming has traditionally bucked this trend, the research firm forecasts that as many as 20 million PC gamers could defect to, quote, TV gaming platforms, end quote, otherwise known as game consoles <laughs> within the next three years. Excuse me while I avoid pressing the panic button. Before I mash the escape key, though, I'd like to talk about the report. There are some interesting nuggets contained within it, such as the prediction that the bulk of those defectors will come from low-end builds, ones that cost less than a grand. Why? JPR points to improvements in TV displays and console semiconductors and console-exclusive games. This will also affect the ranks of the mid-range and high-end PC gaming populations just to a lesser degree, according to the report. Quote, the PC market continues to decline because the innovation that took place in the past providing speed-ups and clever new things has all but stopped. Plus, the product introduction times are stretching out to four years. This is not a panic situation, and the GPU market still generates incredible volume. However, there are forces at work that we predict will drive some of this business toward TV displays and associated gaming services, end quote, John Petty said in a statement. Of course, this analysis ignores the fact that a PC can be connected to a TV. It's why Steam has a big picture mode, and let's not forget that NVIDIA and its hardware partners are embracing and not running from the living room with BFGDs, big format gaming displays. Those are expensive, though, which brings up another counterpoint. If display technology is the driving force, it seems to me that a high-resolution monitor with a fast refresh rate and other bells and whistles is a more attractive proposition than a 4K television, many of which are still cruising along at 60 hertz. There are exceptions, though. You'll inevitably uh, pay more for a true 120 hertz TV. And for those who are willing to pay big bucks for a display, there is no shortage of high-end gaming monitors to choose from. I don't want to get stuck on that point, though. There's more to digest. According to the report, Moore's Law is all but dead. 
said, quote, no longer can the processor builders count on shrinking, shrinking transistors every 24 months and either doubling performance or reducing costs. Product cycles will stretch to four years or more. The high margin, high end segment will feel the pain the most, end quote, JPR says. This is somewhat true, but with important caveats. For one, today's processors offer developers untapped potential in the form of additional cores and threads. AMD deserves credit for pushing 8-core slash 16-thread chips into the mainstream, uh, to which Intel has responded. I'd counter that doubling the number of transistors every two years is not critical to PC gaming, or as critical as it might have been in years past. Perhaps more critically, the same issues affect console gaming as well. Today's consoles are more PC-like than ever, and that's not changing. We already know that Sony's PlayStation 5 will feature an 8-core Ryzen processor with Navi graphics. That's going to give the console a big boost in performance over the PS4, along with other key upgrades like solid-state storage. But the time it comes out, but by the time it comes out, we could very well see 12-core and 16-core processors pushed down into the mainstream. Nevertheless, JPR is convinced that PC gamers are on the cusp of an exodus of sorts. In addition to consoles like the ones offered by Sony and Microsoft, JPR sees cloud gaming devices, example Google Stadia, pulling PC gamers into the fold. Now, here, Stallion breaking in, here's where things do get interesting. Let me read this quote from, uh, from this asset, I mean, uh, from JPR here. Quote, we are observing a higher percentage of low to mid-range PC products sold because of the consumer's intent to use with games. This, unfortunately, does not generate more volume, but does guide research and design as well as marketing investments for hardware providers and foreshadows the ultimate use model of the PC, a desktop ergonomic gaming slash computing environment that embraces user choice and customization. Gaming services used with TV displays, whether local or cloud-based will absorb PC defectors and likely flourish with new entrants. In the next five years, we will see potential customers with access to TV gaming swell by hundreds of millions, said uh, Ted Pollock, senior analyst at the gaming industry at JPR. And I'll read a little bit of PC Gamer here. Uh, take the guidance with a grain of salt, though. From our vantage point, PC gaming is growing, not shrinking, with increased interest from the industry at large. Microsoft, now a trillion-dollar company, has made gaming a point of focus in Windows 10. But it's not just Microsoft. We PC has some interesting figures on the subject, which show the value of the PC uh, market steadily increasing since 2011. And according to a January 2018 survey by the Game Developers Conference, 53% of the 4,500 game developers who participated said they were, at the time, making games for the PC or Mac, versus 27% for the PS4, 22% for the Xbox One, and 3% for the Nintendo Switch, which at the time hadn't been released. Uh, but I also reached a... Well, anyway... There's a little more here and basically saying that boutique builders are doing better business than they ever have as far as uh, PC gaming goes. So, okay, here's, here's my take on a lot of this. Do I think overall that a lot of gamers are going to switch over to things like Google Stadia? A, because you get out of the hardware upgrade cycle. And you still, you get to pay the, play the latest games with, you know, very inexpensive hardware. In fact, I just read a review of the controller for, for the Google Stadia and the review was incredibly favorable of it saying the design's great, you know, and the, the lag there, there wasn't real lag time, nothing like that. And it seemed to just really work. So this is becoming a reality. Um, I don't, that said, okay. Uh, the PC gaming world is a world that thrives. I mean, this is basically comparing PC gamers and console gamers 
is very much akin to comparing like PC users and Apple users, right? Because, you know, Apple is in no way, not even remotely close. In fact, they're, I think they're losing ground with MacBooks. They are not in the dominant position, okay, you know, in as far as computers go. They're just not. Does that mean that Macs aren't profitable? No, I mean, or, well, at the very least, they're worthwhile to keep making, and Apple has some degree of concentration uh, upon it. In fact, if anything, they're just kind of turning them into giant iPhones, but w- whatever, you get my point, is that, you know, MacBooks continue on, and new models come out, the whole thing, but they sell at a premium, but then the audience for MacBooks, is, you know, is willing to pay that, and they pay it often, Okay. I mean, that's not always true. I mean, because a lot of the MacBooks that you see out there, as I've brought up many times uh, on many shows, including Sovereign Tech and probably in the gaming grid on the past, you know, most MacBooks sold are a lot of MacBooks sold are to uh, are, are bought by parents, right, for their college kids. OK, you know, and but then the college kids can never afford a MacBook again. And they just, you know, but they end up holding on to their MacBook because they can last so long. Uh, they, they just keep using it for years and years on end. Um, but the bottom line being is that that's not hurting Apple, right? So PC gamers compared to console gamers, in this sense, PC gamers are the Mac users. I mean, they're not, but you, you know what I mean in the analogy. And your console gamers and everybody else are your PC users. PC gamers... They don't just spend a little bit of money. They spend a shit ton of money and it's enough money on PC gaming to keep the entire industry afloat because I mean, you could just charge whatever premium and they're ready to hop on the, you know, RTX 2030, whatever the fuck, you know, new card is, is out there. Um, I, I don't believe, and, and here's, here's the other part too. So there's that. So the PC gaming industry is not dead. It's not in trouble whatsoever. There's plenty of money flowing in there. And I agree with the assessment that actually, you know, we don't need Moore's law anymore in PC gaming because a lot of the great games, hell, we were just talking about Dwarf Fortress, one of the biggest games on PC. A lot of those games don't require a, a, a thousandth, you understand, of the power that is available on uh, you know, even a very modern, uh, uh, gaming laptop, not even a desktop for that matter. Okay. So there's a lack of total understanding of why PC gaming is a thing in the first place. Uh, and part of that is because of the ability to independently develop and come up with just the most creative games ever without requiring a distribution service. I mean, they're there. Steam is there. Itch is there. Even though Itch makes it easy to, you know, to put game. I mean, my games are on Itch. Uh, you know, you just look up Zomi Offline games and there they are. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and there's plenty of other ones where, you know, no, I mean, this is PC gaming thrives and continues partly because the, the, the indie, the indie scene, which let's be clear here, the indie scene is what fucking saved Sony with the PS4. Um, and well, and anyway, the switch is a whole other thing. So, but bottom line, you know, this is more the sky is falling chicken little bullshit. Um, you have the, the PC gaming industry is so complex compared to consoles. You can't, you can't even compare it. And are people going to leave and end up using Google Stadia and stuff like this? Sure they are. But then those probably are also the same people that don't invest a whole ton of money into the PC gaming industry and are probably gaming on their fucking Chromebook anyway. 
So I, it just doesn't matter. Like they're numbers that don't matter. And, but also what I think is going to happen is this is more of that split that we have been talking about. Okay. This is more, this is more of that split that where you're going to have like your online gamers and all this, and you know, people are into the streaming services and all that. And then you're going to have your retro gamers that either a, and the retro gamers, let's be clear on what that means. It's either a people that actually play retro games right? And maybe rock the retro mini consoles and all this stuff. Or B, they are, you know, they either do that or B, they have a retro mentality where they want to own their game. They want to have control of the files. They want to be able to play these games 10 years later and so on. Another huge area of where, where PC gaming stands tall and strong is because you can play games. Well, like we just talked about blood, you know, where, where you can, to this day, now, now, hell, it's been updated to where you can play it on a 4K monitor or something. Okay, and, and that's just, those people aren't going to go away. And that segment of the population is huge. I mean, it's not like massive. It's not the largest amount of gamers, but there's plenty of them. So, no, I, and, and I think that that number is going to swell as some of these streaming and cloud-based gaming services get bigger. But then people realize that, oh shit, when they can't pay the bill, you know, that, that, well, they lost all their games or whatever. And, and, and they're going to, you know, they're going to end up freaking out about that. And maybe they're going to come to realize, well, shit, I could just get a, you know, a little, little computer here and I could play some, some fun games, some classic games, whatever, and rock and roll. And I actually have control of those games. I think there's going to be people that are going to, this is going to swing back and forth and people are going to learn and they're going to really, you know, get down to their uh, personal tastes and all that. But this is, this is horseshit. You know, I will say though, that for a long time, I had made the claim that really like the PC master race, as it's called, PC gamers were really like, they were the defenders against not just in gaming, but in technology and in society in general, they were the defenders against everything going to the cloud. Um, that part of things, because of the power that it takes to play the latest games, that part is no longer true. Google is probably going to end up debunking, you know, that, that part of it. But as far as those people who actually want control of their data, control of their games and all of this PC gaming is still going to be the thing, you know, I didn't get into, and this plays off of this nicely. I didn't get into earlier. I said, there's something that pissed me off that I was seeing in gaming journalism. Um, and what pissed me off was the constant, just people saying over, you know, Nintendo life, pick the out the gaming outlet was saying, Oh, the 3ds is dead. And it's like, wait, what, why, you know, but then Nintendo comes out, you know, at, at one of their meetings and says, no, 3ds is stable, but it's like, it's like people want these things to be, to be dead. And this is going to get into an, an, another point here. Okay. Um, that, that has to do with PC gaming. Cause I think there's a broader, broader bit of business going on here. Okay. Uh, that goes beyond the reality of whether or not there are going to be however many PC gamers in the next three years. So I love my Nintendo 3ds. I mean, I fucking love the thing. All right. And I like, th there's no reason. Yeah. If the eShop, I guess shuts down, there'd be a problem. But if you have like cartridge based games and all this and really any console or system that uses cartridge games. In fact, what the Game Boy turned what 30 or something this year. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's about right. Been a lot of stories about the Game Boy and all this. Um, you know, if you still have a classic Game Boy and you still have a copy of, uh, uh, of Tetris or whatever, there's a good chance 
I mean, because that thing's practically indestructible. There's a good chance you could still play that game today. Is the, is the Game Boy dead? No, you can still play a fucking game on it. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know, the only, the only game systems that can genuinely be dead are the ones where would be like Google Stadia, where you don't actually put the game in the fucking console. You know, if the game's localized, it doesn't require an internet connection and all this, then it's not dead. So really the 3DS doesn't have to be dead and you don't have to connect. And and I can say that for certain. Yeah, the 3DS has uh, connected capabilities. It has internet capabilities. Hell, it has a fucking web browser on it. But you can turn off the Wi-Fi on that thing and you can turn it off forever and you could still play all your games. No problem. So 3DS is never technically dead. I mean, that that's... Oh, I get so sick of it. But so why are people doing this? Why is this kind of journalism going out there? Well, one, when the sky is falling, uh, you know, it makes for some nice clicks, right? And gets ad impressions that of course is going on. Other part that's going on here is that really, I think there's just a lot of people who just want all their games on the switch and they want Nintendo to stop developing for two platforms. That's what's going on. It, it, because otherwise just leave it alone. Who cares? Okay, fine. You, you think this, this, the 3ds isn't relevant. Well then don't report on it. Don't talk about it, but instead all you do is fucking rip on it, you know? And, and I think that that's, that's so crazy now. So, so they have a direction that they want things to go and they know, you know, maybe they have an idea of perhaps what the readership says, how the readership says, Oh, I wish they would have just made Kirby's Epic Adventure plus for, uh, or extra Epic, uh, yarn, sorry, extra Epic yarn for, which is a great game, by the way, for, you know, they should have made that for switch. Why didn't they make that for switch? Well, there's reasons that they didn't because to remaster it for the, uh, uh, you know, resolution that switch runs at would have been a far more expensive proposition than it would be to actually re-release the game. But but whatever the average gamer, I guess, doesn't fucking understand that. But regardless, okay, they know that their audience says this a lot, so they keep publishing stories saying that it's dead, and and you know the hate train gets on board and says, yeah, it's fucking dead. Which again, none of these systems, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred isn't dead. You understand? Hell, there's people that still make games for it. The Commodore Sixty Four isn't dead. You have some of the best games for the system for any system, like Sam's Journey, right? Sam's Journey that came out in 2017, I think that are getting developed to this day. How could the, the console is not dead. It's not possible. And I think a lot of people that are into that sort of thing, again, they're going to continue to be PC gamers. So what's going on here? JPR, in my opinion, is an analyst firm that probably got paid off by Google or Apple or whoever to say, Oh yeah, PC gaming. Oh, that's so passe. Oh, we're going to be down 30 million users, blah, blah, blah. I mean, a lot of these analyst firms are just like journalists. Like we were talking about earlier, just like, uh, just like, like, uh, yeah. News organizations where they just, they're on, they're on the payroll by these companies and they'll put out whatever data makes it sound like, Oh yeah, it's all over. You might as well come to Google stadia, come to the cloud-based services because your PC gaming, Oh, it's all fucking over. And give me a break. And you say, well, what gamers actually like even bother to read those kind of reports? Here's the thing is that like just getting it out there in the news. I mean, you know, certain news sources pick up on that and the gaming industry will like talk about it and report on it. Kind of like PC gamer did. Fortunately, PC gamer was trying to debunk the whole concept and the whole notion. Um, but fuck, come on. <laughs> I, I hate this. I mean, because that, that it really comes down to that, that you just, you realize that, I mean, and to some degree, me as a podcaster, yeah, I talk about the things I want to talk about. I push things or want to represent things that matter to me. 
Okay. But at least I try to be a bit intellectually honest as to where you got to understand a lot of these journalistic institutions, quote unquote, they're on the take, you know, and, and they're just trying to just trying to report on what's popular. And it's so fucking annoying, you know, and that's, that's one of the beauties of being into retro gaming is that you can actually ignore all that if you really want to, and just keep going and spending money where, I mean, cause at the end of the day, you know, these like boutique gaming companies or, you know, gaming PC companies or whatever else, or like, uh, you know, retro games limited, right. That that's a company, right. That makes the C64 mini or whatever. They see the ultimate speaker, which is the dollar signs from the consumer themselves. And they're like, okay, no, there's C64 mini. This sold, this did money. This is good. All right, let's do a full size one because we obviously have an audience here. Great. You know, and then again, the stuff never really dies. So anyway, let's switch this up. Uh, yeah, PC gaming, not dying, not dying anytime soon. Uh, do I think cloud gaming is really going to change things in gaming? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Sure. It's going to, but that doesn't mean that there's one industry that's going to die. Also the 3ds is not dead. The game boy is not dead. The Atari 2600 is not dead. The Commodore 64 is not dead. None of these things are dead. I know, I know. Sony and whoever else would love for you to just get on the hype train about their new console. The old consoles are not dead. You know what the best? I, I had actually got somebody emailing in uh, for the gaming grid. Now I covered this on a, on a Q and a, which is patron only, uh, maybe a couple of years ago or something. But like, I went down the list of like the greatest consoles of all time and all this. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, the greatest console of all time, bar none. And, and I've said this many times, uh, is a soft modded, you know, use free McBoot but a PlayStation two greatest console ever. It's going to be, it's the last of the great consoles. And, and it's probably the greatest console ever because everything that you can fucking play on that to say nothing of, which I mean, the, the Nintendo switch is kind of going through this where, uh, it's such a popular system that everybody's re-releasing their games for it. The same thing happened with the PS two, you know, over a decade ago where it was so popular and that had more to do with the DVD player than it did the gaming system. But you know, gaming companies didn't know that. So <laughs> at least not yet. Uh, but it was so popular that everybody kept releasing these like huge anthologies, you know, midway arcade treasures, volume one through three and Capcom versus SNK, blah, blah. And you know, whatever, like all these huge anthology sets came out for that. I mean, the games, the gaming history that you can play on a PS2 is remarkable. No internet required. Woo. Greatest game game system ever and nothing. And I don't think anything's ever going to top it aside from a, you know, gaming PC, but I mean, just nothing. It can't, there's, there's, there's no way there's so much greatness on that fucking system. And I'm not even a Sony fanboy. Like Sony's not even my favorite gaming company, not even close. It's dare, dare I say it's almost at the bottom of the list. Okay. But you know, and then that thing, those you're going to, you're going to hear stories about lasers getting replaced or even now with free McBoot, you can just hook up a USB, uh, uh, hard drive to it, you know, or a solid state drive, whatever. And I mean, you're going to be hearing stories about lasers getting replaced. You're going to have whole cottage industries around that, around that system. I guarantee you, because well, anyway, eventually people are going to pick their, their culture, their gaming culture that they're going with. And there's the retro culture. And then there's the, well, what'll end up being the cloud culture, I guess. So use those terms if you want. Um, Anyway, so something else that somebody sent in to me, I think I, I, I said on the last gaming grid, I said that the Capcom, uh, console that's coming out in October, their little retro console that it's going to be like 200 bucks, that that was the most expensive one to date. Well, they just had to prove me wrong. <laughs> so 
<laughs> and they sent uh, they sent this in. There's this. It's called Yesterday Vision. Is the name of the console console, and it costs twenty eight hundred dollars. I think it's out of like Sweden or something like that. But anyway, it's basically it's a TV cabinet with a 19 inch four by three monitor in it. That's kind of curved to make it look like a CRT. It's not a CRT though. Um, but it looks like a really, really old television, you know, wooden box, the whole thing. Okay. Like you'd see from the sixties, seventies, so on. Um, even has little wooden leg stands on it, but it has a raspberry Pi in it. And so it can do, you know, SNES, NES, Genesis, Neo Geo, MAME, Atari, you know, all the different ones, PlayStation, um, the PlayStation one, you know, it can do all of that on the raspberry Pi. And so really, I mean, okay, I get you. It's a more expensive emulator, but it's not really like a, like a, a tailor built system, including by the more or less by the company itself, even though the C64 mini isn't made by Commodore because that company doesn't exist anymore, but the company that has the rights to, to kind of push out C64, obviously they're the ones on it. Uh, but that's interesting. I'll put a link in the show notes if people want to check it out. I don't, I don't see the point to this. Um, and, and fuck if I have to hear that raspberry Pi. look, I love the raspberry Pi. I love it. Stop using it as an argument for not buying retro consoles. It's just, I've talked about this. Where was I talking about this? I think I was talking about this on a Q and a recently or somewhere. I was talking about it, how like the C64 mini is just the best Commodore 64 emulator. And you're not installing it on, on your gaming PC. Okay. It's, it's the best emulator out there. So if you want a great experience, you're going to use that. You can't do it on raspberry Pi. You can do good enough on a raspberry Pi with the Commodore 64 emulator. Of course you can. Okay. But it's not the best. And there's arguments for, you know, using there. I mean, you can use the first, you can use the most convenient, or you can use the best. You have three categories there and you take your pick. And if you want the best, well, you're going to get a C64 mini. You're not going to use a raspberry Pi. Stop. Just stop. Stop saying that to people. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. So let's get into what I guess is our, our main story, which is the announcement, which is from F8, which if you listen to the recent Sovereign Tech, uh, I did a bit of a review about F8. Obviously, I was not favorable towards it. Um, I've talked about Oculus many times where I think Oculus is still very much operates as an independent company uh, within Facebook. And John Carmack seems to have still have very much control. So, you know, I'm feel, I feel a little more confident in treating them as a separate company uh, in their way. But anyway, the Oculus Quest did get announced at F8, and we finally got a release date. The release date is May 21st, um, and we also have pricing and all of that now, uh, which there is a 64. There are two versions of this, kind of like what happened with the Oculus Go. Uh, which came out last year that had, that had two versions as well. Um, there was the 32 gig version and the 64 gig version. Otherwise they were completely identical. The 32 was 200. The 64 gig version was, was 250. Um, I have actually the Oculus go the 64 gig, uh, version and the Oculus quest, same deal where it, it has a 128 gig version and a 64 gig version. Uh, the 64 gig version is 399. The 128 gig version is 499, it's 500. So, and I would, you know, say this right out of the gate, which do I recommend getting, of course, get the 128 gig version because this is not something that has cartridges, you know, to put into it. Um, and you are, you know, you're storing all this stuff locally and understand that the Oculus Quest's mission in life, according to John Carmack, is to take on the Nintendo Switch. This is meant to be a console in and of itself. Um, that so it's taking on everything, including Google Stadia, the whole business. Okay, now this is a completely independent. They also announced the Oculus Rift S. Um, I could talk about that, but 
and the pricing is actually kind of similar, but I don't think that connected VR headsets, like VR headsets that connect to your computer, I don't think those are the future. Uh, not for gaming anyway, and not for what a lot of people want to do with a VR headset. Like the, the future of VR is independent units that you put on, on your, you know, on your head. Um, kind of like the Oculus Go was. Now the Oculus Quest to somewhat to my disappointment, because it does have the two controllers that you know from the Oculus Rift, right? Where it's the circular uh, controllers and everything that you hold in your hand. Um, you, you have to set it up with the Oculus app on your smartphone. So it's not like the Oculus Go is the same way, but in that sense, it's not truly an independent system. So I'm a little disappointed by that. Uh, as to where like Google's, you know, some of their like Lenovo's daydream headsets from Google, those are totally independent, like where, you know, you don't have to connect it to a phone or anything as far as I understand it anyway. Uh, and I really think this should have been that maybe it can actually operate that even though they recommend sending it up through the Oculus app as well. Not that, that that's hard to do. I mean, I've done it with my Oculus go and it's very basic. Um, and that gives you like the app store to buy stuff with. You can do it all in the headset as well, but um, I was a little disappointed by that. So I, it'll be interesting to see what that setup looks like. Maybe it can really act more independently. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that ends up, uh, uh, taking shape. I mean, is that a huge problem? Because just about everybody has a smartphone anyway. And I imagine anyone that would buy a VR headset would probably have a smartphone, uh, other than me, uh, you know, in my future. Yeah. I, it's fine having a VR headset, but I prefer not to have a smartphone. I guess it's why I want what I'm asking for, but Whatever. Anyway, uh, it is otherwise it is an all in one system. Um, and I mean, there's there's really cool stuff coming out for this. Of course, Vader Immortal, uh, the Star Wars game, which is kind of the premier reason that I'm interested in playing this. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of very interesting launch titles that are set up for it. And I don't, you know, as far as what I saw and what they were talking about at F8, did I hear or see anything where this really could end up beating out Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, and so on. It wasn't that good. Okay. It really wasn't that good, but, and, and also, you know, eventually they have to resolve the issues of, you know, like in, I think in-house multiplayer, cause that's still kind of a thing, but Otherwise, I, I, I mean, it's going to be another competitor, and I don't see that as a bad thing in the console space that, that, that we're in. Um, I find it interesting that in that JPR uh, analysis that we read earlier, there's pretty much no mention of VR whatsoever, um, because that's a, that's a whole other can of worms that has to do with, I mean, cloud-based gaming can take advantage of a VR headset, certainly. Uh, latency becomes an even bigger issue um, at that point. But then that's something to bring up as well, is that arguably there is a segment of the population that's just either A, never going to have any interest in VR, or B, can't use it because, you know, they get various motion sickness and things like this. Uh, no matter how good the technology seems to get, you still have people that say such things. So I imagine they'll always be there. So this can't, I don't see the Oculus Quest being like the, the completely dominant force, um, but it's interesting in that where I could see a lot of people get excited or like without them realizing it, they unconsciously are attracted to, to VR headsets because as long as there's no notifications, even though certain apps, I wouldn't mind if there were, but that in VR gaming, there are, there's no distractions, um, that 
that could lead them to where, wow, they focus and, and they're really intent on the experience that they're having. And so that could be become far more attractive to them because you can't even really look at your smartphone, right? Your, your field of vision is totally taken in. So I think unconsciously, we might realize, or a lot of people that game with VR might realize, uh, you know, just how nice it is to have a distraction-free environment. Um, something that was interesting was, uh, was it called Guardian? I think it's called Oculus Guardian, which is a system. And now there's concerns. If, if you're a privacy freak, kind of like me, there are concerns around the Oculus Quest because it is very much like at all times mapping the room that you're in. And part of that is to allow for this Oculus guardian to work. Oculus guardian is there to warn you. And this is a notification that you definitely want is there to warn you if you're getting say too close to your coffee table or something like that. It'll be interesting to see how well that ends up working. What they showed at F8 did look promising. Um, again, it's just going to be a week or two before this ends up, uh, coming out, you know? Uh, so yeah, I mean, Oculus Guardian's there to try and, and prevent that because, again, you're not even going to feel like the tug of the, you know, of the connection to your PC with this. Um, so the Oculus Quest, it's going to end up being a thing. Uh, if I end up getting my hands on one, uh, I will, I'll give it a shot, you know, and, and I'll talk about it. I mean, for me... <sighs> Yeah, I want to play the Star Wars game because it has like a, in fact, I've read reviews for it and apparently the story is great and it's very funny and other things, which is amazing considering it's Vader. Um, I want to play the Star Wars game. That's something that, I mean, that look, that's been the reality for a lot of things is that like Star Wars games will sell me on a game platform. They really will. You know, I think the reason I started on even getting involved with GOG was partly because, oh, you know, you got you got TIE Fighter or you got whatever game they were releasing at the time. And I got all excited about it. Uh, Star Wars has totally been my gateway drug for a lot of different gaming systems over the years. Um, not so much the NES, not the NES back in the day, but just about every console after that. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars, Star Wars got me for is, was the reason is what convinced me to go there. Uh, Star Wars convinced me to, to get a CD-ROM drive you know, for my original 486 DX, uh, so I could play the TIE Fighter Collector's Edition and so on. I mean, TIE Fighter's life anyway, but, <laughs> you know, uh, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, that it's definitely selling me on the quest. Uh, the other thing I like about a VR headset is, again, having that movie theater experience where you watch video files and you can watch it like you're in a movie theater. The Oculus Go can do that very, very well with the, it was a Skybox player uh, that I use on that. The Quest I don't know that it could somehow do that any better, uh, but, you know, I mean, that's worthwhile for that as well. And, you know, whatever you want to do in VR, you know what that is. And, well, the Oculus Quest is probably going to be able to pull it off. I think the Oculus Quest is going to get a little more interesting when it comes to more social stuff. Uh, some kind of, I don't want to say social media platform, but social platforms. How about that? Uh, especially since you have those two controllers now and you're not as limited as you were with the Oculus Go where you just had the one controller. Um, that's where this is, this is really going to shine in a way. Uh, I think so. This is something we're going to be keeping an eye on, but now we do it, you know, everything I've seen for it looks very impressive. It looks like the real deal. I see no reason why this can't take off. I think a lot of people are going to talk about it. I am intrigued to give it a shot. I want one. Um, and well, 
anyway, we'll see what happens next time on the gaming grid. Maybe I'll have one in my hands. Um, and well, we'll figure things out. So anyway, uh, yeah, the Oculus quest, it's a thing. It's a reality. Uh, I VR gaming would definitely be a big part of the gaming grid. I'm happy to talk about that sort of stuff. Um, not that I necessarily want to do like a lot of stand up gaming, you know, but whatever we'll, we'll we'll see how this all shapes up and i definitely want to try vader immortal so anyway we'll wrap up the gaming grid for uh this edition and uh well we'll be back with more gaming grid and of course plenty of shows to check out on zomia one just go to zomia1.com and if you want to get access to thousands of hours of exclusive content become a member of the zomia one underground you got to do that uh you can do it for as little as like two dollars i mean a month it's, it's insane and you get thousands and thousands of hours of, of content and new content every week so you want to jump on that and check out all the shows there a lot of uh, great stuff coming up especially for the hard and fast podcast uh we got a great sovereign trek uh coming up this month as well as tie fighter renegades i'm sure will be interesting as well along with a whole slew of other shows on the way so i will see all of you on the other side game over <laughs>